Please note, every episode is someone's individual experience. One data point is not representative of everyone's time in the Air Force. Do your due diligence. The views expressed are those of the speakers and do not necessarily represent the views of the Department of Defense or its components. Welcome to another episode of the DFM series, a part of the For the Zoomies podcast, and I'm your host, Andrew Cormier. Today's guest is a 2017 Air Force Academy graduate who went on to become an acquisitions officer. He started his career working in a maintenance program and entered the USAFA faculty pipeline attending the Carlson School of Management at the University of Minnesota. He currently serves as an instructor of management here at the Academy teaching the innovation capstone. Ladies and gentlemen, Captain Sam Safita. Andrew, thanks for having me. And let me first just say, I want to give you a shout out and a, and a huge kudos for what you do here with this podcast. I think you're definitely help move, moving the needle and connecting cadets, alumni, faculty, and those in the big blue. So this is very much needed in our space, especially the Air Force Academy. So I just want to give you credit and know that you got a full supporter in me. Thank you very much. And I, I appreciate all your support because you help me all the time, not only come with questions, but connect me with people to have on the show so no man you've run with it (laughs) you got all these big four-star generals i could have never hooked you up on any of those so give me credit i I can't take all the credit there's definitely been people that have helped me along the way but to get i mean i actually just saw your name out on the uh not only the the like some sort of instructor awards board but also a cadet of management award board for 2017 how'd you how'd you end up getting that you just Mm. like 4.0 4.0 or it, it was uh it was my instructors and professors who showed me the way and <laughs> taught me great classes and they stayed l- late for ei and if uh lieutenant colonel brian Payne is listening retired at least uh which i'm sure um <laughs> i'm sure uh yeah he i owe him a lot of credit i'd send him emails pretty much every morning and said hey can you help me out with this finance homework this one question i bothered him nonstop, and <laughs> somehow that got me to the award so i give them all the credit there yeah shout out to all the the instructors that EI even on the weekends it's huge um on the topic of the academy can you touch on what brought you to the academy in the first place yeah sure so growing up I actually always wanted to be a commercial airline pilot I wanted to fly for Delta Airlines which is kind of a very niche goal but it was about my uh, eighth grade year when I was at a barbecue and I, I there was a you know a classmate's dad who was like oh I'm a I'm a commercial airline pilot for United like, oh, cool. How'd you get that job? He's like, oh, I went to West Point. What's West Point? He's like, oh, it's the service <laughs> academy, Army, you know, Army Service Academy. And that's the best way to, to get into this space because you get all your hours through the military. I'm like, great. I'm going to go to the Air Force Academy because that feels like it's more up my alley. So I basically uh, pursued that all four years of my time in high school and then got accepted, almost turned it down, which would have been a huge mistake. And then when I, when I got to the academy, I, I really had a change of heart once I started taking my management classes. It actually was those professors and instructors that inspired in me a passion for business. And they were my, my greatest role models. And mm-hmm. I told myself like, hey, these folks are awesome. The culture that they work in at DFM seems to be awesome. And that is the role that I want to play in the Air Force one day where I hopefully can have the most impact, more so than flying. And if, you know, a flying career and teaching are compatible, but very difficult. So I really pivoted at that point and said, teaching is more important to me. So that's the role, role I want to go. And therefore, that's how I ended up dropping acquisitions. And we can get into all that later. But that's kind of the, the arc of, of where I've gone in terms of getting me to the academy and, and where, where it's gone since. Mm-hmm. So you, you didn't really enjoy the first two years of, of core classes and chemistry and physics and all those things. I, I'm in the same boat, but 
what what was your uh i don't know if you'd call it backup but what was your other option if you said you were going to turn down the academy i was actually going to go to st louis university uh, it was a you know midwest catholic school something that would have been important to me and similar to where my parents went to school university of dayton i was going to be a basketball manager there i kind of had it all set up like this is gonna be great it's a good sports town uh, the basketball team had been doing well and uh yeah i just uh the last second my alo took me back out here for one more visit <laughs> so you know went, went did all the same things i had done once before and i sat in mitchell hall sat in a class i was like talked to some folks i'm like yeah that'd be silly if i turned this down yeah so now, I remember in 2018, you were probably just graduated. I came for my visit out here. And that's what, like, you know, seeing pictures and researching online, the, the application looks daunting. But then you actually come out here and see what it's all about. It's like, holy crap, I want to be a part of this. Yeah, great folks. People who are highly motivated, very bright. Just surrounding yourself around them has made me a better Sam. And I'm very thankful for that. Mm. And basketball but that didn't correlate to what you did here at the academy no i was a football manager when i was here st louis didn't have a football team so that would always have been my first love it still is so okay. yeah i was a football manager all four years here which was a a great role love that so much <laughs> so anyone who's you know considering that that role uh, definitely recommend it great way to get involved with the team and uh, be part of you know the huge operation that is college football and be behind the scenes it was really awesome yeah my good friend um in a lot of my management classes cam richards i don't know if you know the name but um he's a currently a a, a manager and he i don't know he's i it's kind of sounds i i can't tell if he's bullshitting me or not but sometimes it sounds like he he has a really big job of like actually coaching a part of the, the team i'm like how the hell do they give cadets this type of uh like responsibility for this multi-million dollar franchise of falcon <laughs> football you know what i mean yeah no i'll give the coaching staff credit because they do really integrate a lot of the, the the cadet managers into the operation where you know they're they're play calling or they're helping out with charting the offense or the defense yeah. in the booth helping with formations i mean that's really cool because at most schools at pretty much any other school they're not gonna let you do that so it's great to see them have success and also let the cadets play a huge role in it and that's you know that's what we're all about so i give mm. them a lot of credit for that and it was a huge part of my life so i, I i'm forever grateful for, for for them and letting me play play a role so cam is not bsing you to say the least yeah it's hard to tell with him sometimes <laughs> but um cam so, i got your back <laughs> this episode is going to be about you know academy instruction specifically about the department of management different roles in the department ways to get here mba stuff so to get into that, can you break down the different paths to becoming an instructor here? I'm sure a lot of cadets are familiar with the GSP, the Graduate Studies Program. But outside of that, what are the other faculty pipelines? Yeah, so I think you could break it down into two primary pipelines. Number one is sponsored, and number two is non-sponsored. So we think about sponsored, it means we are paying for one of your degrees uh, to go off and get an MBA or a degree that's similar to that. And then you're going to owe us a payback tour in varying lengths. So within the sponsor bucket, we can think about GSP, which are for our cadets who are considering going to graduate school as their first assignment. But note that we've, we view GSP as a hiring decision, right? So when, we're, when we are interviewing cadets to, to do a first assignment grad school, note that it's like we're actually trying to see what are your, your prospects as a future colleague to come back here and be an instructor in our department. So that's how we view the GSP process. And that's no different from – faculty pipeline. So faculty pipeline, again, is we're still under the sponsored bucket. It was a second way to get your degree paid for to then return back 
um, with your payback tour as an instructor of management. So the, the faculty pipeline is open to active duty folks. This is the way that I actually went. So I'm happy to elaborate on that a little bit more if you'd like. But essentially, there's a call out every spring for folks who are interested in applying. You apply for faculty pipeline. We'll interview you usually in the fall time frame. If you are selected, then we will send you to go get an MBA. Um, really, any school is open as long as it's accredited. You know, we've had folks go to the top schools, uh, which has been great. And it meets the Air Force's funding requirements, which can be a bit of a tricky game to play. But yeah, you'll go off, do an MBA full time. You're getting paid to go to school while they're paying for your school. So a pretty sweet gig. And then you return your return assignment is back here in DFM, which is the best job in the world. So <laughs> that is a sweet gig. GSP or faculty pipeline are, are great. Faculty pipeline, you can probably go to better schools, and I'm happy to talk more about that. So those are really your two ways. And then once you're here, we could sponsor you for a PhD or what we call a terminal degree. So if you, if you prove yourself in the classroom, you crush it, then you've got the opportunity to go get a PhD. A lot of departments do this. Our department's no exception where you'll go off and then uh, finish a PhD, probably do an intervening tour back within a, whatever your core AFSC is. And then you'll get back here and most, uh, most usually finish your career here as a lieutenant colonel or you know, potentially they get 06 or beyond. But yeah, those are kind of the ways to do it sponsored. Now, non-sponsored is a little different, right? So when we find that we have a gap in our hiring needs, we can go out to the big Air Force and Space Force and see who already has an MBA, an accredited MBA, or a degree that would really support one of the, the, the major work streams that we have here, like operations research or data science that we teach in DFM. And then we could interview you and say, hey, we want to bring you on within the next year. And mm -hmm. then assuming that your, their career field lets them do that, that's the way you can go. So we did some of that this year where we're basically, you know, we're interviewing candidates now who already have MBAs. They went off and did that on their own in some form or fashion. And then they, they come right back here and they start teaching. So those are generally speaking the two ways, sponsored, non-sponsored. Okay. On the, on the topic of sponsored, one thing that I'm always curious about is differences between getting your MBA as your full-time job, like your full-time job, you don't do like night classes or online classes. Instead of doing your job, your one primary focus ad pay for and paid for by the Air Force is going to school versus having those programs like online or, you know, that sort of thing. Where's the distinguished or how do you differentiate what that is? Yeah, certainly. I'll take this question and kind of give my personal spiel on it. Yeah. And I think it's important for cadets and for anyone considering a higher degree to get a lot of perspectives and to do their research. So this is going to be Sam Sapita's advice. And again, I encourage you to, 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 to take that with you know, a grain of salt or whatever and go talk to others. But a master's degree is meant, in my opinion, to get you from point A to point C. Okay, you're at point A, you want to get to point C, B is the master's degree. And I think so many folks just willingly hop into a master's degree because they, th they think it's what they need. It's, oh, I, I need to have this on my resume. It's going to help me outside the Air Force. Well, why? Go vet that and see if your hypothesis is true, right? So you need to know what your point C is first. And then you also need to take into factor, you have to factor in all of the different personal considerations, right? Do I have a family? Do I plan on staying in the Air Force or Space Force long-term? What's my financial situation? 
what are my grades in undergrad? Where could I go in the future? When do I have access to my GI Bill? What opportunities exist for me currently in the DOD, outside the DOD? Like you need to be factoring all this in as you start to come through this decision. So all that to say, it sort of depends, right? The, the, the classic management answer. Well, let me talk about the MBA more specifically, right? So I view there's three ways to get your MBA. Number one is, Andrew, as you mentioned, right? Being in-person, full-time, two-year program, and then and then you're going off into to, to the most likely the corporate world. Now, I didn't do this because my degree was paid for by the Air Force, so I had to come back. But the business model for these MBA programs are basically you come in to, to class and we are going to get you access to top employers, right? And by doing so, we're going to help you land a job. You're going to take classes along the way. You're going to build a great network, but you're going to, you're going to build a great network. You're going to get a job, and hopefully down the road, you're going to pay it back forward no kidding financially, right? Mm-hmm. Either by you know, your own donations to the school or you're going to hire our graduates when you're in, in that position. And that's the business model for those full-time programs. And that's a really effective way for folks to transition out of the military. Um, and, and, and let me let me say that you need about five years of work experience to be competitive for those best programs. And you need a 700 plus GMAT in order to do that. And you're going to get access to the top tier consulting firms, investment banks, tech companies, product uh, product manager roles, private equity, venture capital. They recruit those schools, uh, but you, you need to have the, the work experience in, in, in order to go to those schools. If you've got one or two years of work experience, A, you're not going to be super effective in the MBA program. B, you're probably not getting into a top school. All right. So that's bucket one of how you can go get an MBA, right? But no, like the point C is that really lucrative business career field. Mm -hmm. Okay. So then, all right, what's the second way I could do it? I could go do it online or part-time. Maybe I'm stationed at LA Air Force Base. I'm going to go to UCLA or Southern Cal and get my MBA uh, in a hybrid format. You know, a very effective way. I I think you can get a quality degree, something that could potentially serve you well within or without the Air Force. But again, depends on your career, depends on all those factors I had mentioned. So that's one way to consider it, um, consider going about it. And uh, I, I, th- I just think you need to have that point C sort of uh, in, in the basically in, in the um, in, in your vision. And then that third way is like, all right, I'm going to go just do this online degree, like check the box, just want to have it, you know, have it done. You got to when I have a cadet who sits in my office, I really try to press them on why that's the best fit. Right? You graduate from a prestigious, prestigious institution. You can only get one MBA why do you want to go do it online? I mean, there's not, I'm, it's worked for people. It's been helpful, but I just want people to be a, lot, a little bit more thoughtful as they think about uh, those, those three different paths. So again, let's recap, right? You can go to the full-time MBA two years. That's all you're doing is going to class. Number two, you could do some sort of hybrid, uh, maybe a, a top 20 online program like a UCLA or an Indiana. And then number three is like you're doing a check the box uh, degree um, on your own time. And, uh, I just like want people to think about what that's going to get them. And, um, if you, if you've found that there's a reason for it and this is going to help you serve it, then by all means go do it. So identifying that point C and going out and vetting if MBA is a real decision maker or like, like you said, needle mover on that. How do you do that? Is it like something where the, the point C does, do they usually explicitly say that this type of MBA program is, is where they're recruiting from? Or is it just kind of like you talk to people that you know, are employed there currently and whatever the consensus is really? Yeah, you had, the, the magic word you just used was talk. 
right? Okay. Networking, just highly, highly encourage the skill of networking and just talking with folks both within the Air Force and outside the Air Force to help support your career goals. So if you're in the pilot community and you're finding out like, hey, you need a you need a master's degree sort of thing, then you know you want to stay in, you know you want to advance in your career field. Hey, you found your point C, right? Like go out there and accomplish it. Uh, if you want to get in, if, you, if, if say your goal is to, to, to crush your five-year service commandment and then you want to get into management consulting per se, uh, that can be a tough entry without an MBA, and you know that like going to a top ten school really elevates your chances to get to land at a prestigious consulting firm. So you have networked with folks who are potentially graduates from the Air Force Academy from West Point or Annapolis who've gone off into these MBA programs. They're there now, and they're recruiting for consulting or whatever function you are, or they've already landed there, and you've seen their path. You're networking with them, you're asking their questions, and they're you know I found that people are very happy to give back, and I hope that everyone listening here is willing to give back when they're in their, their shoes one day. But mm-hmm. yeah, the networking piece is really what's going to, when I applied to pipeline and got selected, I knew the trade-off was, all right, well, I'm closing the door on a top 10 MBA because I don't have the work. Test. Okay. We'll just pick right back up. I'll ask you again and then we'll, sure. so you become, you go through your MBA program. Now you're an instructor here at the academy. What are the pros and cons of being in this position? Yeah, so it's very pro heavy. The, <laughs> this is a, an outstanding, great job. I feel very thankful driving on base and driving off base every day. And I'm not just you know trying to sugarcoat that or BS anybody. It really has been great. And the reason why is, is the cadets. It, I feel like uh, you all make the job sometimes frustrating, but overall it's what makes it great. Um, love being able to, to mentor, have those one-off conversations that is some of the best being in the classroom and then watching the light bulb come on, helping with the extra instruction, all things that are great, but they're all cadet focused. And I, I would say, so if you break the teaching job down, like I think cadets may be surprised that we don't teach as often as you, as you probably think we do. Like mm. maybe 40 or 50% of my job is teaching. The other 30 to 40% is going to be around service to the department. So secondary and tertiary roles that I have within the department. And then you soften level service, whether that's helping out with a sports team or a faith group or extracurricular, whatever that might be, that that is uh, kind of the breakdown of my time, right? Or all of our time. And then for PhD holding faculty, they're researching, they're trying to publish to keep up the the reputation of the degree that you're getting, keep up the reputation of the school that you'll that you go to, and will forever tout as your alumni, right? So anyway, I I, I stop to say that like. Teaching's only you know fifty percent of this, and that is outstanding. It's fun to be able to craft lessons that you think the cadets are going to like. Bring in life lessons, bring in examples of times you failed, uh, bring in content that's meaningful, and then to get up there and then challenge your platform skills every time is always rewarding. And then the cadets just have their own personalities, which make the class super <laughs> fun. So I mean, there are a few classes that I'll just never forget that I've taught over the last few years that just like they had great personalities. I'm like, gosh, this is awesome. And then to go off and see you do great things in the Air Force and start reaching back is like a truly rewarding uh, thing to see. So it's always about the cadets. It's about getting the cadets to the finish line, making sure that each one of you is your best selves by the time you walk away. But also, you know, recognizing that we're all trying to be our best selves too. Like this is character development. doesn't just stop when you finish at the Air Force Academy. Like there's still things that I, I'm still trying to do better. Still thinks that each one of these faculty members is trying to do better to be the best men and women that we can be, to be role models for you, and just to be great stewards of the Air Force and the society. So, like, 
this environment is just always pushing you to be your best. And whether you're a cadet or you're a faculty member, like we share in that with you. So that's great. And then like getting involved with, uh, you know, I'll just like say getting involved with some of the sports teams around here has been great. Um, love getting to know different sets of cadets outside of management through whether that's through, through with handball or with the golf team or uh, meeting with some of the hockey players that I've been able to involve myself with. It's been Super great. So th- that's kind of the basic rundown about teaching. I can get into any one of those different aspects as, as you wish. So. Hey, real quick. Hope you're enjoying the episode. If you are, could you do me a favor and follow and leave a review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts? And also follow the show on Instagram at 4.the.zoomies to see clips of upcoming episodes and stay engaged with the community. Thanks for your ongoing support. Yeah, um, it sounds because one thing that I try to hone in on when I talk to people about their jobs is feeling fulfilled or like they can tangibly see the product of their work. And I think that's what you're kind of touching on with cadets that you instill it comes whether it's teaching or mentorship, you see what you teach the cadets and then they go on and, you know, use that to, to better society or whatever mission that they're a part of. Yeah, no, I would say that, again, one of the reasons that brought me back to teaching were my faculty members when I was here. And I just like to hope that I've had even the, the slightest impact that, that on some of the, the cadets I've had to, to come across with over the last few years that they had on me. So, um, you know, I'll leave that up to them in terms of there's been tangible impact. I would say that I, I drive off base, like generally speaking, almost every day thinking, dang, this job's pretty <laughs> awesome. So you know, hopefully it's not, hopefully it's a two way street. Um, but I know y'all fill my cup up and hopefully doing the same thing for you. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, you're better off for it. That's the goal that you leave our department you leave our school better off for it. So touch on those extra duties within the department. I think you're the the personnel officer. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. So personnel officer. So in charge of the the recruiting process and some of the internal personnel functions that are a little less boring that people don't want to hear about, but recruiting, you know, year-round trying to understand what our department staffing needs look like, running the faculty pipeline, and then helping out with the GSP process to help get the right folks on the bus. Like, our our department head's philosophy is get the, get the right people on the bus, and then I get out of the way. Mm-hmm. And I love that vision that he's cast. I think so much autonomy, so much independence to let us run with our own creative visions and our own styles. Um, but the reason it works is because we get the right people. And our culture and in my opinion is second to none there's uh, just a, a great group of folks here are first very bright second very very uh, achievement focused so they're they're go-getters mm. but they're all really friendly and supportive and if you can get the those three or four th- things in a culture please come call me <laughs> I want to go <laughs> I want to come work for you because uh, that's what we have here in DFM and that's what makes this place special and want to continue to make it special so when we're trying to do the recruiting stuff for uh, the department like in, in the personnel role we're assessing people along those lines of like are you going to come in here and be someone who is a go-getter who's fun to work with who is easy to work with and also wants to give back to Safa and be cadet focused and I should have led with the cadet focus part because <laughs> that is the number one role for us is we're a cadet first department so yeah, that is a really fun role to, to do. I, I love that. I mean, you know, working with you in terms of helping out with the podcast and helping out with hopefully connecting you to some alumni, uh, our alumni network to strengthen that is another one of kind of those those other uh, things I'm involved with, involved with a few sports teams. Um, you know, there's there's some duties that, that, 
that aren't as fun. Like that's probably the downside of the job. Yes. About cons. I'll give you the con. Like, you know, there's, <laughs> there's one or two, you know, extra duties that aren't super fun, but that's generally the air force sometimes. So I would say those are the, the things that probably frustrate me the most, but I'm easily frustrated relative <laughs> to some of your other guests that you'll have. So I, I, I tend to get a little, uh, pessimistic sometimes <laughs> about that. But anyway, overall, like amazing job. Uh, I'd stay here forever if I could, but they're going to kick me out, which sucks. Unfortunate. That's yeah. a, a tough loss, but I guess that's the way that it rolls. Or a win for some cadets. Many of them should they're ready to see me go. Um, so you're here now. We went through the pros and cons. What exactly leads you towards cert- teaching a certain course or courses within the department? I understand my um, ops research teacher, Captain Salgado, he has a PhD in ops research. That's mm-hmm. a very specific technical skill that he's most fit for the job. But how about you, your innovation capstone and the precursor to that, those are your teaching responsibilities. What makes you most uh, like fit for that and you teaching that over other people? Yeah, no, I mean, I'd say the operations research, let me start here, is that operations research is a little bit more nuanced where it's a very specific discipline that's shared by multiple departments. So generally speaking, those folks are going to have an operations research or data science background. Mm. So we want them to support that, right? Like we kind of recruit specifically for them to do that. You know, for the other classes that we teach in the department, you know, whether it's you know, finance or accounting or marketing or strategy, innovation, most of your faculty members are going to have MBAs and they're, excuse me, also going to have um, potentially PhDs in a, in a more specialized area, depending on what type of faculty member it is. So the MBA allows you to be versatile and you can teach a variety of different classes within the department. We love that. So, you know, you can plug me into accounting, you can plug me into finance, plug me into strategy and like going to get a job, the job done because I have an MBA. Like that's kind of our hypothesis, but like anything, everyone's got their, their passions. So for me, it was like strategy and finance when I was doing my MBA in Minnesota and I taught those classes to begin with. So I said, Hey, here's what I did in my MBA. Like, I think I'd do well here for these reasons. Here's mm-hmm. how I think I can make the course better. Like give me a shot. And thankfully the department did. And so again, kudos to the department because they, they find a way to match people up with their skill sets, generally speaking. And then, you know, as you think about the innovation track, right, where we, uh, we're, we're basically, um, having, one of our guys step out of uh, the innovation role to go take over the soups exec position. And they come to me like, Hey, would you be interested in taking over his role? I'm like, ah, innovation. I don't know. Like that. I kind of want to stick to the strategy finance route. And I'm so glad I decided to say yes to this because our innovation class our elective class in the fall and then our innovation venturing capstone in the spring are just phenomenal courses that have such a, a great tangible skill set you can take away from. We have a fun atmosphere, fun environment. It's fun to watch cadets get to sort of, um, I think, thrive in that role. Maybe cadets who don't traditionally thrive in some of the other roles of like, all right, here's the, here are the, the notes, here's the lecture, go take the GR. And like, ah, oh, dang, like I don't really, it doesn't click. Like I watch some of my lower performing students in other classes get A's and crush it in venturing because they have a unique skill set to get up there and think of novel ways to solve problems, pitch it and get excited about it. So Mm -hmm. super thankful to be able to do that. And it's also helped me push my creative thinking, my problem solving and my business acumen. And to anyone listening to this, especially if you're a DFMer, like never stop, never stop striving to, to get better at those three skills, especially in the Air Force, like never stop striving to get better. And uh, this course has allowed me to do that. Again, want to, want to emphasize that like, character development but also an academic environment like we're all learning together this course i think 
fully has allowed me to maximize that. So I'm very thankful for it. Mm. And I can attest to how like the, the environment of that class, because thankfully Captain Sapita invited me to a couple of the lessons, but also the, the competition where the, the cadets actually gave their pitch, you know, auto tee. That was like one of my favorite. Yeah. I was like, holy crap, cadets came up with this. It's like real innovative thinking going on, like at a very, you know, I don't know what happens at other colleges, whether this type of stuff goes on. But it does. Yeah. It's impressive to yeah. see, you know, peers come up with, with cool solutions to difficult problems. Yeah, absolutely. And I give you credit for spending some of your free time to come uh, visit the class and anyone else is always obviously welcome. Management 400 is a class now that's open to all of you. Safa, if you want to learn in management 400, it's called leading innovation. So it's, you know, it, the, the, the number is the same, but the course is completely new. Mm-hmm. And if you want to know about what innovation is and more than just the buzzword sense, like come take the class. We're doing some great things. It's going to be awesome. And I am genuinely, I'm, I'm genuinely saying it's going to be an awesome class. So mm-hmm. uh, I'll put my money where my mouth is and I think you'll have a good time in the class. So yeah, thanks for the nice words and uh, love your work ethic. I, hope more cadets follow yeah no i'd love to hop in on anything else where i can you know have a free spot in my schedule a little bit of a you know personal you know just curiosity at the spur of the moment do you ever feel as though coming i guess this could fall into maybe a pro or a con of the teaching role um do you ever think that coming and teaching would either help or impede per like professional longevity or opportunity Instead of like being staying in acquisitions or any other career field that the Air Force offers, coming back and teaching, what type of positives or, um, you know, detractors does that offer in terms of going back out to the um, Air Force operationally or even getting out and, you know, I don't know how it looks to an employer, like, oh, you instructed at a college. Yeah, yeah. So I'll... I know our target audience here is Air Force folks, a lot of cadets. So let me caveat this by saying that the Air Force has shifted their their views on the instructor assignment. They are, generally speaking, you know, it's a big Air Force, a lot of career fields. Everyone's got different opinions. Commanders have different opinions. They have generally sp- sort of emphasized the importance of having an instructor role, whether it's an ROTC or faculty pipeline or an AFID or wherever it might be, mm-hmm. instructor pilot, as, as a good thing for your career growth. And this is where I'll get into my personal statement of like, how could it not be right? <laughs> Standing up in front of, of cadets or a, a body of folks, public speaking, trying to take a complex topic and break it down into something that's digestible, understandable, and is fun and engaging. Like w- that is a great skill set. And then being able to build relationships with folks, get to know them. Uh, certainly there aren't without their person, personal challenges, right? Like I was never in a, in a, in a supervisor role um and you really won't be in acquisitions until you're later mm-hmm. uh, on in your career and you know i had cadets coming to me with some really difficult challenges and say all right how do i handle this how do i be how do i be sam the human here and, and make this make this okay and help this cadet get through this this is absolutely a developmental role in terms of your professional sense i'd like to think i'm a, a stronger professional after spending time here and then if you get to work around really bright individuals like a rising tide lifts all boats boom great so Highly, highly incentivize folks to, to get into the instructor role. It's uncomfortable. Every time I get up there, I'm still a little bit nervous, like full disclosure, um, <laughs> to try and be my best. And as far as it goes on the outside, you know, I, I don't think that a firm is going to hire me necessarily to go to investment banking because I taught finance per se. 
but I'd like to think that hopefully I can communicate the so some of the the, the the practicalities of saying like, hey, I you know I can work with people. I understand how to give a, a great structured presentation that makes sense and flows. I can use a, a platform skills to effectively communicate a topic. I'm a project manager in the sense that I can direct a course with a lot of folks in it and a lot of different moving parts, right? All those skill sets are certainly valuable. You're going to get a lot of different skill sets in the Air Force, but in terms of professional growth, there's a lot of intangible, I think, uh, qualitative benefits you can reap from, from this assignment. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. I, I would just, you know, my own curiosity just stems because there's an opportunity cost of doing this versus something else. There is. Correct. And so I didn't know if, you know, because you said, you know, the investment bank might not, or whatever business job might not prioritize teaching over that, that practicality point that you made. Do you think that, you know, getting that job is, is valuable, whether it's monetary, I guess that's kind of subjective value, whether you value becoming an instructor or teaching and, having these relationships over maybe the the financial incentives of getting a, a really good job, something like that. Yeah, no, the opportunity cost is a really interesting point. I'm glad you brought that up because, I mean, of course, I could have been sitting in my career field, like, advancing in the 6-3-A, 6-3 being acquisitions mm-hmm. pyramid, right? Probably, you know, would have done some cool TDYs. I met some interesting people and could hop back in the career field in a better place. But, like, the net gain for me from, you know, it's more than just, like, what's on your career pyramid, but also – like impact and leaving a legacy and you know i'm not mm-hmm. saying that i've you know done a good or bad job in any sense there but i'd like to think that this has been so rewarding that yeah at the end of the day when i look back in the 40 years or however many years god blesses me to work with like i spent three of them doing something that was really meaningful and to me that outweighs any potential like financial gain or whatever mm-hmm. it might be like yeah i could have separated from the air force two years ago done the nba and like you know been in a role in Goldman Sachs, potentially, you know, making more money. But I wouldn't do that. I would literally a billion out of a billion times would have never made that decision knowing what I've done now. So, mm-hmm. yeah, you bring up a good point, but I think having impact focus is always important too. Mm-hmm. So to round out this episode, for any cadets who are potentially considering entering the faculty pipeline or following a similar path as you, what advice would you give them? Yeah, yeah. A few things. First of all, know that I'm always happy to talk, whether that's now or you know, 20 years from now, on on this position and get you in, in connection with the right folks. But as you think about it, like it's, if you're a cadet right now and you know you want to come back and teach one day, like the first thing that you can do is crush active duty. We're looking for people who have been excellent officers on active duty. Uh, that's always very important to us. The second thing you can do is get a really strong test score for a GMAT. You should be aiming for 700 plus GMAT specific to business school for GRE. I don't know the GRE, but whatever the equivalent <laughs> is to the GMAT of 700 plus. <laughs> so be thinking about that. Uh, be, be sourcing and thinking about your why. Like, why do you want to come back to Yusafa? What What is going to make you a great mentor and be cadet first? Like, everyone wants to be a mentor and be cadet first. Like, what beyond that? What skill set do you bring to the department you want to add beyond just like, oh, I know political science really well and I want to be a mentor? Okay, that's great. Like, how do you want to get involved? Do you want to get involved with a sports team? Do you want to get involved with a faith club, with an, uh, another form of extracurricular? Is there some form of research you want to do to help move the USAFA's ac- academic prestige forward? So be thinking about that from a professional standpoint. And, and then uh, I guess lastly would be thinking about like, hey, where do I want to go to school so I, I, I can better myself? And um and I'll always add networking. Talk to people and make sure this is the right 
role for you. But um, yeah, it's a it's a great it's a great opportunity. And yeah, just want to say thanks again for letting me share some of my uh, my tidbits. Yeah, thanks for coming on and and sharing your tidbits. A lot of gems kind of tucked in there. Um, what is your room number in case other cadets want to come? I have to look on the post note. Six H one twenty six. Six H one twenty six. Captain Scott. He's like right in the beginning of the the management department. As soon as you walk in the the big foyer there. Yeah, but, and I guess I'll caveat that each department has their own like things they're looking for. So DFM, you know, I can talk about the DFM specific things, but okay, that advice was hopefully broadly you know, going to apply to all the departments. Yeah. Okay. Thank you very much, sir. I appreciate your time. Thanks for the time, Andrew. Appreciate it. Best luck to you, man.